Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Anaya Falcon. According to the CDC, one person dies every 34 seconds in the United States from cardiovascular disease. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for women, men, and most people of most racial and ethnic groups in the United States. On The Spark today, we'll hear the story of a Lancaster man who has a heart condition and recovered from open heart surgery by doing a drawing a day. When Jerome Hershey created the art for his art series called Breath, he said it was like inhaling and exhaling. He and his wife, Shelley Hershey, join us to share their story in honor of American Heart Month. Jerome and Shelley, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. So, Jerome, talk to me a little bit about your passion for art and where it all started. Well, I always knew I wanted to be an artist. Uh, as a young person, I, I like to make things, always like to make things. I like baseball, too, but I, but I excelled in art in high school and won a lot of prizes and had a terrific art teacher, Thelma Rutherford, in, at, in high school in Millersville. And uh, she really encouraged me and wrote wonderful letters to get me into a good art school and I just kept on going. I always knew I wanted to make things. And now you own an art studio in Lancaster which you've been uh, owning for over 40 years. Uh, what kind of art have you uh, been able to produce over the course of your career? Uh, <laughs> and talk to me a little bit about your recent art series called Fields. Well I've always made abstract paintings and uh, through the years, I uh, went from making things that were completely non-objective, which means that they don't reference anything, and were very color-oriented, always have been color-oriented. And uh, different periods referenced things that we went through, our family, Shelley getting pregnant, uh, the loss of my parents. And <clears throat> the, the Fields paintings are a celebration of color and color interaction and are done uh, individually on modular panels that I work on horizontally and then attach together. So there are many layers of thin lines that are hand-painted and the use of color creates a kind of uh, contemporary version of what the uh, Impressionist painters used to call broken color. Shelley, talk to me a little bit about your connection to his art. I know he mentioned uh, you being getting pregnant years ago and then him using that as an inspiration. Uh, well, I guess he created a painting which uh, we actually bought one back at auction, uh, which was sold of me expecting our first child and I think it's just a way of him expressing you know rather than taking a photo which we did take many photos um, it was uh, a picture of me expecting a child but a non-objective just look it was a geometric you know image of that wow. we had bought a we had bought a firehouse 
and I had taken six months off to work on the firehouse. And when I came back to work in the studio, Shelley was pregnant, and I wanted to address the idea of building a house, building an environment, and also the idea of Shelley being pregnant. Uh, so I, I came up with the idea of a, a vessel as a container for a uh, woman as a vessel for a child and house as a, fa- a vessel for the family. While you were working on your art series, your recent art series uh, called Fields, you shared with me in a previous conversation that you didn't know you were sick until you were really sick. Yeah. Why? Uh, well, uh, I had been monitoring. Um, I knew that I had a heart murmur for six years, and we had been monitoring it. And I, I was told that I had moderate aortic stenosis, which simply means that your aortic valve isn't working properly. And because I was told it was moderate, I didn't bother to do any research. I didn't really know what it meant, and I didn't know how important it was, which was a, a big no-no, all you folks out there. Um, and then, I guess it was in November of 21, uh, the test came back that it was severe, not moderate. And I was told to see a cardiologist. And then we just went through a huge battery of tests, and one came back worse than the other, until I was told that I had to have an open-heart surgery to address this problem. And uh, the fellow, the wonderful doctor, or surgeon that I worked with, Alexander Bridges, I had complete faith in, and we were treated so well. And I ended up having... Uh, one valve, my aortic valve, replaced. One valve, my mitral valve, repaired. And uh, while they were in there, they gave me a single bypass. And the surgery was postponed twice. Can you tell me why that took place? Well, this was at the height of the COVID pandemic, and beds were really at short supply. And uh, Dr. Bridges would call us and say, you know, sorry, you can't come in. You know, we have to change the date, and we kept doing that. And they had gone from I don't know how many surgeries a day down to one or two because of the demand for the beds with all the COVID patients. And we were hearing stories about all the issues of people having COVID and waiting uh, for, for a long time in the hallway because there were so many. And people, you know, I just didn't want to get sick. So when I started to have difficulty breathing, I didn't want to go into the emergency room. Hmm. Your condition was severe during the during that time when you were waiting for heart surgery. So how difficult was it to breathe at that time? And what other challenges were you facing while waiting for three additional weeks is what you told me, right? Yeah, it was about three weeks from the original uh, date of my surgery that, that we finally went in. And it, it was, there were some days that I just couldn't catch my breath all day. And we would call in and, you know, you'd, you'd get a nurse somewhere and they would say, well, you should go to the emergency room. And like I said, because of COVID, I didn't want to go in, but Shelly really wanted me to go in, but I just didn't go in. And I had, I couldn't lift things. So those, I don't know, I, I should have uh, looked and see what all the uh, uh, issues are that you have with uh uh, congenitive heart failure, but that that was uh, couldn't breathe and couldn't lift things were two things that really affected me. I was very tired. I had to take naps all the time. 
But I could sit down and draw. So I was doing, I, you know, I had begun these drawings and was setting the studio in my the little room in my in our house up so that I could work in because I knew that I was going to go in. So I had plenty of time to set the space up the way I wanted it. Shelley, were you concerned that his condition would be fatal? That's an interesting question. I don't know if I was ever thinking that it would be fatal. I just thought it was pretty serious because he couldn't breathe. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the severity of it seemed to be getting worse when he couldn't catch his breath. And, you know, the hospital was filled up. It was COVID, and and you, uh, you know, didn't really know what the best way to go was. So... Well, and in the beginning, they said that it, most people had a 7% chance of recovery. And then when the pictures came back and they had a better idea of what was going on, and he upped it to 10%, that was a pretty sobering day. I think I went home and had some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Shelley, I know when uh, Jerome's procedure was postponed, you called the doctor and kind of sped up the process and <laughs> tell me a little bit about what you were thinking in that moment he called us he called us <laughs> he called us well that's okay um he, he did call us and and when he talked to jerry on the phone jerry was often sitting and uh the breath uh, dr bridges was listening to his breathing and it just didn't seem that different which is i think what um maybe made Dr. Bridges think he was okay to wait until there was an opening for surgery. Um, but yeah, I was pretty concerned and suggested that um, he take a look. He said he had office hours the next day and he um, said he would. And uh, by the time Jerry walked in the office, it was apparent that he really needed to speed things up. Yeah. So. Jerome, you told me that the doctor told you there was an 8% chance that your operation would not be successful and a 10% chance that you would die. What kind of thoughts or fears did you have going in uh, for the surgery? Yeah, seven, seven in the beginning and 10 after the pictures. Uh, it, after I got over the initial shock, which was extreme, that, that day was pretty emotional. But after I got over that, I, I just was convinced everything was going to be fine. I, I believed in Dr. Bridges, and I believed in his team, and uh, um, particularly after we got into the hospital, we were treated so well that uh, I, I just was sure that everything was going to work out fine. So how did the surgery go, when, uh, and when you started the, the journey to recovery, how did you feel? Well, as far as I know, the surgery went great. I mean, I, I was there, and I saw a lot of shiny stainless steel stuff and an awful lot of people in outfits, and then um, I was out. And the, the, everybody, it's a well-oiled machine when you mm -hmm. go into an operation, operating room. They know what they're doing, and they do it all the time. And uh, I came out of there. What did you say I was under for how many hours? Well, you. I think the. I think it started at eight or nine in the morning, maybe eight, and it was finished at six. Yeah, and I was incubated until the next morning. Intubated. Yeah. Intubated. Um, I, yeah, yeah, it's that word is. So my my voice, my throat still feels raw, and I don't know. No one has ever told me that it's because of that, but it wasn't like that before the uh, operation. So I assume that that's uh, a factor in that, but. Uh, 
after I got out of the operating, after I got got back in the ICU, everything was great. I mean, I, I was uncomfortable. I was in pain for a few days. But compared to what you might expect, it, it was just was no big deal. Jerome, you shared with me that someone mentioned the possibility of you going into depression while recovering. What did you do to combat that from happening? Yeah, that was a that was a real concern, and uh, that was why I set up the room the way I did to have so many different options. I could watch TV, I could listen to music, I had books that I could listen to, thanks to a dear friend that gave me an iPod that was loaded with books, and. I had all these art supplies, and I, I knew that I wanted to get to the next step with what I've been doing with the Fields paintings, which are based on a, a straight grid, a regular grid. And so the drawings took that idea and continued uh, expanding on ways to vary the, the grid size and the size of the blocks to the to the, when I got to uh, figuring out that, that if I made the block smaller on the outside and larger on the inside, the image seemed to inhale. And if I simply reversed it, it the image seemed to exhale. And it was like a eureka moment that where the, and I always say the best work makes itself. And I'd gone through this health issue and it wasn't like I set out to create images that spoke to that, but when you do, you don't walk around it. You, you, it's sort of you play the hand that you're dealt with, and um, so I, I spent every day making drawings as much as I could, as much as my eyes could focus. I worked on the drawings and tried to expand on the idea and create variations and different colors. And so for six weeks, I made many, many drawings and. Uh, and enjoyed it. I it was it was for me recuperation was actually a lot of fun. It was like going on a cruise because I had this room that I could wake up in the middle of the night and do whatever I wanted and didn't bother Shelley and she was working from home so I didn't want to bother her. And then folks, we had so many wonderful friends that dropped off soup and meals and flowers and cards. It was it was actually just great because I I didn't have to go anywhere. I could drive after what 6 weeks or so. And you could breathe. And I could breathe. I <laughs> felt so much better. You know, it was, it, the whole thing was great. And I solved the problem that I was wrestling with in the studio. So it, it was actually a, a terrific experience. Shelley, how did you help him through this process uh, on his journey to recovery? I'm sure his medication intake had to increase during his recovery process as well. Well, we had a home health nurse that came in, and she really was great, uh, checking in maybe twice a week visiting or three nurse. teams a week visiting. Yeah, visiting. Our neighbor Tammy, <laughs> it turns out, was was our nurse. Yeah, and she was so great. Yeah, she was good. So as far as the medication, she really helped uh, organize that. And um, I just, you know, we had to change our diet to basically eliminate salt or use very little salt. With congestive heart failure, that's just not something you want to have in your diet. So um, different way of cooking, but I love to cook. I cook all the time, anytime I can. And uh, so I would just cook and basically let him work. Uh, just by doing the drawings, was able to work through a lot of things, um, you know, 
Well, the beauty of her work is that she could be on the phone and baking a cake at the same time. Not that she <laughs> baked a cake, but a, as far as a, a metaphor, she could be in the kitchen making something and get a terrific donation or visit with someone. And, uh, you know, a lot of her work is just visiting with people. So uh, the pandemic wasn't really that difficult for either one of us. I mean, I, I worked through various issues in my work during the pandemic, and Shelley worked from home the whole time. Jerome, talk to me a little bit about how it felt to have all of those medications, you know, after uh, going through that procedure. I know you mentioned that to some people in your village, you shared that you were feeling just fine and everything uh, was going just well, (laughs) but that really wasn't the case on the inside. Um. Well, initially, when I was still in the hospital, I felt poorly because I was uncomfortable. And and if you've ever stayed in the hospital very long, you, you know that it's difficult to sleep because they wake you up every couple hours. So you're you're sleep deprived and cranky and, uh, you know, you've got tubes all over the place. Well, when I got home, it was it was more daunting than difficult because I went from a couple of things to about a dozen medications. And, you know, some you take this way and some you take that way. And that was where our visiting nurse came in. She just sorted it all out for us and made it really simple and essentially just told me what to do. And uh, so it, it wasn't problematic as much. It was just something that was daunting initially. And you mentioned your village and your support system being a huge part of your recovery process. Your friend Scott Bookman wrote and recorded (laughs) a song for you to encourage you after your surgery. So let's take a listen to that. Well, my friend Jerry, well, I call him Art. Going to hospital Thursday, going to fix up his heart. Going to come out and be brand new. Make another book of this work for me and you Cause he plus heart equals heart That guy's got a big heart, folks And he plus heart equals heart All the best, buddy yeah, that's so great. I'm so glad you were able to play that. A book, you know, everybody says, what can I do? And Bookman says, what can I do? And, and I, I said, oh, just sing me a song. never occurred to me that he would write me a song. <laughs> it, still, it still rips me up to hear that. It's just so wonderful. Why, why are you getting emotional about it? Oh, it's hard to put into words, but, you know, he, he sat down and thought about it. Yeah. Put it together. It's a big deal. Yeah, it was amazing just to hear that, and it really brought joy to me as well. Talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, just the impact that that made on you in that moment when you came out of surgery. Well, How the, so- how the song affected me when I came out. I remember sharing the song with our nurses, and they all thought it got a big kick out of it, and, and my surgeons, everybody. I mean, I, it was, I think, unusual, for obviously, for them, too, that anyone would do that. I mean, it was, it was just a lovely gesture. And the fact that he did three of them, 
you know, he, he did the one that uh, everyone was asking how I was doing, and I and I told Shelley to tell him how I actually was, and he wrote a song about that. And then it, I when I got home and wrote the song about the nurses visiting, and uh, you know, it, it was just very, really, very wonderful. Yeah. So where are you now in your recovery process? Well, I don't know. I don't know if folks that have congestive heart failure say that they're completely recovered because it's something you have the rest of your life. But I feel like I'm completely recovered, and I, I go to see my cardiologist on Friday. I guess he'll tell me. But um, you know, getting getting that ejection fraction up closer to normal was a big deal, and back in July and. Uh, watching salt and taking all the medication and trying to get 10,000 steps in every day and you know all these things that they tell you to do so we're we're, we're really trying to to maintain this lifestyle and meanwhile I'm I'm just making stuff and just keep on painting and making more uh, paintings about breathing for the time being anyway well it's been an honor speaking with both of you today thank you so much for sharing your story thank you very much thank you